You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk Church. It is so great to be with all of you today. Uh, By now, you've realized that I'm not in the room in person with you This morning, I'm actually up in Cornelia, Georgia at Connection Church with my good friend, Pastor Mickey Carroll, preaching up there uh, for him and his congregation this morning. And I'm so grateful to Connection Church for the opportunity to come and minister there. Uh, Thankful to you for allowing me to do that. And um, I'm excited about next week uh, being back in person with you in the house and uh, celebrating all that God is doing in and through our church um, as we participate in Harvest Fest together, which is going to be awesome uh, for our church, for our families. Looking forward to eating some good chili. Uh, You'll hear more about that at the close of service. But for today, if you've got your Bible, you've got a smart device, I want to encourage you to turn with me or swipe with me to the Old Testament. Uh, We're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter 107. We'll land there in just a minute. Uh, Today we are wrapping up a series. Hard to believe it's been four weeks already, but we're wrapping up a series called The Best Investment, where we've been considering how putting Jesus first in the areas of our time, talent, treasure, and testimony is the very best investment that you and I could ever make. And the premise of this series, as we've talked each week, is based upon the fact that our default mode is typically to operate from what's known as a scarcity mindset. WebMD defines a scarcity mindset as being so obsessed with the lack of something that you can't seem to focus on anything else, no matter how hard you try. And back in part one, we talked about Uh, being generous, what it looks like to be generous in the area of our time. And the scarcity mindset that comes along with our time is simply that I don't have enough. I don't have enough time to do all of the things that I would like to do. And we talked about how you always have time for the things that you put first. In week two, we talked about our talent. And the scarcity mindset that's connected with our talent is that I'm not good enough. And through looking at the the story of what Jesus told the parable of the talents, uh, we discovered that what you aren't using, you'll likely end up losing. Then last week in part three, we talked about the area of generosity that's connected to our treasure, our money. The scarcity mindset that comes along with that is that I don't make enough. I don't make enough. And we learned that as long as we give some of what we have, that will always have some to give. And then today, as we close out this series, I wanna spend the next few minutes talking to you about the area of our testimony, being generous with our testimony, with our story. You know, this is often an overlooked area of generosity, but I've come to discover that it's quite possibly the most powerful area of generosity of all. And the scarcity mindset that comes along with this area of our testimony is simply this. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And that's that's built or predicated by some insecurities 
that you and I tend to have. We think things like, well, my story doesn't matter, or it's, it's not as good as someone else's story. Like what I have to say isn't as, isn't as compelling as maybe that person over there, or, or the simple fact that nobody would even want to listen or care at all about anything that I have to say. And, and if I can just be honest with you this morning, you know, I get up in front of you guys and, and others on a regular basis, a weekly basis, communicating the word of God. And these kinds of insecurities are things that I battle, that I wrestle, that I struggle with on a regular basis, but they are all lies from the enemy to distract us and to, to deter us from utilizing the story, the things, the experiences, the, what God has done in our life to inspire other people and to make a difference in their life as well as we point them in the direction of Jesus. And so if you've turned to Psalm 107, um, we're going to read just one verse together. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation this morning. It, Psalm 107 verse 2, it says, Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. Perhaps your translation, if you have something different, it would say something that maybe you've heard of uh, in a line from a, a popular song several years ago. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then you need to speak out. And a lot of us, when we stumble across this verse or others like it, and we, we hear talks and an encouragement, of this ilk, we start to get really nervous because we recognize that for many of us in this room, many of us that are uh, watching online today, that, that this sort of thing is well outside of our comfort zone. But I, I want to remind you of what we just read. It says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. This is not a suggestion. It's a command. It's not, if the Lord has redeemed you, then maybe you should consider thinking about possibly almost kind of. No, it says, if the Lord has done this in your life, then you need to tell somebody about it. But there's often two common excuses that when I'm trying to give people the nudge or encourage them as their pastor to share their story with other people, there's Really kind of two common excuses that I, I tend to hear um, from time to time. Maybe you have said or thought something like this in the past. Number one, oh, I could never do that. I, I just couldn't. I, I, I'm not able to. I, often this stems from an area of the simple fact that it's, it's just uncomfortable for me. So I could never do that. I'm reminded of the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 very well known verse to many of you no doubt it says for i can do everything through christ who gives me strength that everything it literally means everything and that includes you sharing your story and so you know what you might be right maybe you can't but god can and so I want to encourage you this morning, stop leaning on your own strength and your own abilities and instead start to lean on God and his strength and his abilities and allow that to work through you. 
The second common excuse that I hear often is, I wouldn't know what to say. I just wouldn't know what to say. If, if, I, was, if I was put in that situation in front of somebody, in front of a camera or whatever, I, I just, I, I don't know that I could make the words come out of my mouth or that it would make sense or I'm just not good at these kinds of things. And if you've ever felt that way, I wanna encourage you, take heart. You are not alone. Maybe you've heard of a guy by the name of Moses. He was one of the greatest leaders in all of the Bible. And he was charged with the responsibility of standing before and testifying in front of one of the most powerful men of his time. And he felt the exact same way about it as you do. Listen to how Exodus chapter 4 verses 10 through 12 records this back and forth between Moses and God. It says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. See, despite Moses' excuses, did you catch what God said there at the end of that passage? He said, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to tell you what to say. And, and maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, yeah, but, but that's Old Testament. Like, so surely that still doesn't count anymore, right? To those of you maybe who feel that way, I, I'd invite you to consider Jesus' words in Luke as he's instructing his disciples on sharing their faith. Luke chapter 12, verse 12. He says, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. In other words, when the time comes, the Holy Spirit is going to give you the words. He's going to fill your mouth with the words that you need to say. The only requirement from us is the willingness to open our mouths and make sound come out. It's simply a step of faith. It's, it's changing our attitude. And rather than giving excuses, it's responding in obedience. Psalm 71 verses 15 and 16 puts it this way. It says, I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long, I will proclaim your saving power, though I'm not skilled with words. I will praise your mighty deeds, O sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you alone are just. Did you catch it there? It's two words repeated over and over and over again in those two verses. I will. It's a choice that you and I have. When we are given the opportunity to share our story, to, to be generous with our testimony, it comes down to us utilizing those two words. I will. And here's what I want you to know this morning. If you have a breath in your lungs, then you have a testimony to share. If you've got breath in your lungs, you've got a story to tell about how God has been good to you and, and how his faithfulness and mercy and grace has operated in your life. If you've got breath in your lungs, you've got a testimony to share.
And so now for the remainder of this message, you all are in for a treat as you are going to hear the testimonies of three individuals from our church. And I'm so excited how God is going to use each of these people to both encourage and challenge us in our own walks with the Lord. So I want to invite you to open your hearts, open your minds, and lean in to what God is going to speak to your life today through these testimonies. Good morning, my name is Terry and I live here on the island. My story, however, begins in New York City where I was born and grew up. My family is a large Catholic family, a mother, a father with seven kids. I am number six with two older sisters, three older brothers and a baby brother. I wish I could say I had a happy childhood, but instead I knew something was very wrong even as a child because my home life was defined by alcoholism, violence and abuse. I felt sad and afraid a lot of the time, and it's really hard to talk about any of these things as this was the first time in my life that I felt tremendous shame I have carried most of my life. I've witnessed my mom getting hit and pushed around by my dad. I saw fights between my brothers and my dad, and I even saw my little baby brother as a toddler get pushed around. There was always a lot of yelling going on, and I can never forget when my dad was telling each of us how he should have drowned us in the creek like a sack of kittens when we were born. To survive, I had to escape. I can remember writing a note to my mom when I was around eight, telling her I was running away. But truthfully, I knew I could not really run away as I had nowhere to go. If it was early on a Sunday morning, I would be dressed and ready to go once the yelling stopped. Then I'd leave the house and walk over to this little gospel church near my school where I would sit on the front step and take comfort in their singing. Sometimes I would fantasize about an aunt taking me in to live with her, but that never happened either. As a teen, my feelings towards my parents were filled with outrage and even hatred, adding to my shame that I only came to understand decades later. My only hope arrived when I was 19 and I left home to marry my high school sweetheart. Some sweetheart, he turned out to be an alcoholic and a drug user. I smoked pot for 10 years, became addicted, just hoping that my life would actually get better. Later on, I did realize that getting high was just another way for me to escape my dismal reality. And after 12 years, this marriage ended. Now I finally had control over my life but was none the wiser for living the single life. I found myself going from one dead-end relationship to another, and during these single years, I also found myself trying to help my now adult younger brother, who was an alcoholic and drug user. Along that path, I learned I was his enabler. Trying to fix him in itself left me exhausted, anxious, afraid, and angry. Now my problems were really starting to snowball. After five years of relationships going nowhere, I was depressed, afraid, and angry, feeling stuck in repeating the familiar patterns of my childhood. At times, I felt like I did not want to live. And of course, I was fighting with and blaming my parents for all of my misery. But then our awesome God stepped in because I learned about a recovery program and started to attend weekly. This was in early, 1988. 
It was at this point in my life that I reconnected with God and started to pray regularly, even for my enemies. I found prayers being answered. I met my now husband, Bob, later on that year, and with God's help, our relationship continues to grow. We even both were baptized on September 25th. I was able to start to let go and let God take over my past and current problems. I started to be honest with myself and I even embraced forgiveness, which for me means being forgiven as well as forgiving others. And forgiving my father and my mother was first on my list. I finally found some peace. I stayed with this recovery till about 2005 when a senior leader, a priest named Father Jim, took ill and passed. Many years since those meetings ended, I have to admit, I did falter with otherworldly distractions like work and materialism. But a year and a half ago, Bob and I moved here to Florida and we found Christ Walk. And I am so grateful because in this very short period of time, I have discovered my spiritual life, proving beyond a doubt, it is really never too late. At age 70, I actually opened the Bible for the first time in my life I started to study scripture, and I now have a relationship with Jesus. I'm serving God by participating in Celebrate Recovery. Yes, I am back on the recovery scene again, and I also volunteer for Christ Walk Kids. I have learned I can help bring others in recovery closer to God by sharing my story. I'd like to think that God is even pleased with me as he has lifted up my shame from my past and given me so much more peace today. I am a grateful believer and I am honored to be sharing my story with you today. I'd like to share with you one of my favorite verses. It comes from Psalms 18:2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. My name is Terry, and I am living for something more. My name is Donnie, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. I got two loving parents. They were always there for us, you know, loved us unconditionally. Never grew up, I never grew up seeing any of my parents using drugs. My mom always made sure we went to church. I had a few uncles that were pastors. You know, a pretty good loving family. I'm one of seven brothers. Had one brother, which was Terry, that had drug issues growing up. Um, I remember one Sunday, I was getting ready to get up, but he got up before me and I seen him. He always was stealing stuff in the house for his drug use. Now, I was 13, and at the time, he was 21. You know, I said to him, you know, I hope you die, you know, and stuff like that. You know, he left, so, you know, he went on about his business, left. A few hours later, I'm playing football. My other brother came and got me and said my brother Terry, he died. He OD'd on drugs, and that really that hit me hard. You know, I hated drugs. I didn't mess with people that did drugs. I was mad at them. I did that for years. I did that through my 20s. And lo and behold, before you know it, I'm hanging out with the same people that I used to like, didn't want anything to do with. And at that time, I had a drug addiction. 
And when I realized it, it already had a hold on me. Running the streets, probably ran the streets for probably 15 years, I guess, or something like that. Using drugs, you know, in and out of jail. Running my mom and dad ragged. I remember my dad always would, you know, worry. I know it. Uh, he would always, you know, ask my uncles to pray for us. My dad passed away. The funeral was going on, and you know, in my family, it's always the, you know, the, you know, somebody in the family is doing a funeral, the preaching and stuff like that. So I remember my my cousin David. He always said, you know, Eugene, which is my dad's name, loved his boys, and. He, he always, every time he see me, he would always say, pray, pray for my sons, pray for my sons. And, you know, that was, at that time, that wasn't enough to get me to stop using drugs. So me and my brothers, we were out one night. I remember my older brother, he said a prayer. Father, you know, God, get it, please get us out of this situation. So the next day, we, we wake up, we go do whatever, try to, to get our drugs for that day. And not long after we left where we were staying at, I got arrested, I had a warrant on me. The judge, my judge, sentenced me to River City, which is a drug rehab in Cincinnati. And when I went to, when I got caught, when I went to jail, it was a, it was a weight off my shoulders. I was done, I was done. So in Cincinnati, after I got out of, out of River City, I was going to NA, I was going to men's groups, so at a place in Cincinnati, a men's group I was going to, I ran into a guy named Mark Dubers, which is a really good friend of mine now. He was a, he was a businessman. He owned his own business in Cincinnati. So he gave me a shot and hired me on where he worked at. Met a lot of good people. Met um, the officers that used to arrest me. We became good friends. The judge that sentenced me, that sentenced me to River City used to come up there and, and just, just to talk to me. First time he saw me, he cried. He's like, he never sees the other side of when he sentenced people. You know, I was sober for three years, you know, going around the city to avoid my brothers because I lived on the other side of town. So I would go around the city to avoid them because I knew they were still in drug addiction. I think from me, from me doing the right thing and they see what it's doing in my life, I think it's changed them because it got to be where they were going to meetings with me. Now I got a driving career, you know, drive a truck for a living. And before I got sober, I didn't have a license, didn't have a car, I didn't have anything. And now, you know, it can only be, you know, God that pulled me out of where I was at. Sarah is, I don't tell her all the time, but I'm impressed. I watch her every day about how much she loves God. And I think God put her in my life because it's every day, you know, something about, about you know, God, the Bible, the scripture. And I don't tell her that, you know, it's really, it really helps, you know, for her to do this or do this. But, you know, I'm telling, telling her now it does, it does help. My two kids, Peyton and Devin, um, you know, they know more about the Bible than I do. You know, watching them, it's, it's really awesome watching them three. So I got a phone call Sunday from my son in Cincinnati. 
He called me, and, and it's a big deal, like church. He went up and got prayed over Sunday. And it all comes from, from me being sober, you know, all the things that I've learned in and out, you know, going to church, going to my men's group. He's interested in that stuff now, and it's because of, because of, first of all, it's because of God, but God's working through me, and he, and he sees that, you know. And I'm grateful for that. Um, and this is all from, from me being sober. I never tried, never like tried to do any of this. It just happened for me just doing the right thing, staying, staying off drugs, you know, praying. I can still do a lot more than I do, but where I'm at today is, is it's not just, it's, it's God. God's got me where I'm at. Thank Christ walk for, you know, putting a lot of people in my life, you know, for our life groups that we, you know, that I go to, you know, um, it means a lot. Uh, you know, I love it. I love Jesus. And um, my name is Donnie and I'm living for something more. My name is Lee White and I want to share my story with you. My wife and I, Jean, began attending Christ Walk in January. We moved here to Amelia from Louisville, Kentucky a couple of years ago. We have three children and two grandchildren. So let's start at the beginning. Like many of you, I was raised in a great home with two loving parents who went to church every Sunday. And I did get sprinkled as a baby. Our family would get dressed up and go to church. A good Sunday was one that we got home just in time for the NFL kickoffs. I remember stories and going to Sunday school, but I missed that whole relationship thing. Church was a place we went to. I remember being in middle school and getting tossed out of confirmation class. My mother was scared that it was going to ruin me for life. My life was so busy with sports teams, games and practices, band concerts, that I missed too many confirmation classes. That's a pretty good picture of how my faith was. It was based on convenience and where it fit in. That explains how I was raised. Like I said, I never connected the dots on the relationship aspect of Christ. I was just getting dressed up, acting right while I was there and doing church. The role models I saw at church were the quiet men sitting on the back row while the wives and the women were the social ones. And us kids just played. Well, fast forward to high school and college. I was always having fun and just living a busy life. I would say I became a church CEO. That means Christmas and Easter only. I'm very thankful that my parents raised me like that though. Proverbs 22.6 encourages parents to raise up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will return. I'll get to the return part here soon. Jean and I began dating and we got married after I started working after graduating from college. After our son was about three, we began to drift. It was during this time that I started recognizing that God-sized hole in my life. There had to be something more, much more out there that we were, should be living for. I saw Jean get completely absorbed in being a mom, the housework, and I became consumed by my job and my career and we just grew apart. My son was going to daycare at a local church, and I remember him with some sidewalk chalk, starting at the top of the driveway, drawing a big line all the way down to the garage. 
And then he turned to Gene and I and asked, hey, is God that big? And all Gene and I could do is say, he's much bigger than that. We knew we needed to do something different. Some neighbors invited us to a church service. We liked the music, the childcare, and loved the message. That led me to do what I call my first intellectual acceptance of Christ. The verse God used to help me make that decision was John 27. It's the verse where Simon Peter walks into the tomb and he sees the linen that was covering Jesus's face. Well, it was folded up and set off to the side. Now by itself, that doesn't sound like a pretty strong verse, but when you understand the culture at the day, back then when their master was finished eating at the table, if he was done eating, he would crumple up his napkin and throw it on the table. But if he was coming back, he would carefully fold it up and place it on the table. He was telling the servants that he was coming back. That message for me connected some dots from an intellectual standpoint that Jesus was coming back. So this intellectual acceptance happened in the early 90s. But I need to confess, my life didn't change. If you looked at me, except for those 90 minutes at church each Sunday, I was still living the same life. I was talking the same way outside of church. I was going to the same bars and clubs. I hadn't changed any, anything in how I treated my family. We were busy, we were chasing sports, we were doing all sorts of things, coaching. I treated church like it was a drive-through lane at a fast food restaurant. We would order three songs, a great message, and get us on our way in an hour and 15 minutes. And then we would just go away, do our sports, live our life during the week, and then come back to church the next Sunday for another trip through that drive-through lane. See, I spent my late 20s and most of my 30s living life like that. Then we moved to Dallas and joined a new church. After several months of the same routine, the pastor started a series called Get in the Game. During one of those messages he was talking about, Success. He says, some of you have had tremendous success in business, lots of deals, lots of improvements. Financially, you're doing really great. Some incredible breakthroughs, and it's really going well for you right now. I was listening to that message and checking it off like it's a list. And as he's saying that, right then, he stops and starts doing this big laugh. And then he says, you think it's you. And he just started laughing again. And then he says, who do you think gave you the stamina? Who do you think gave you the wisdom? Who do you think gave you the clarity to do those deals? You think it's you. There I sat, 5,000 people around me, but I was filleted. In, the, in that moment, those words hit me like never before. He was right. I'd been taking credit. I thought it was me. That started a journey over the next several months that we became full court followers of Christ. At that moment, we started changing things financially, how we gave our money. We changed our priorities. We started going to life group. We started doing things that were really focused about not just being at church, but being in church. You see, I felt God telling me that I needed to change how I was applying the skills and talents that he was investing in me. 
I needed to dedicate those skills and talents to the church. I decided to truly become a full court follower of Christ. It was time to jump in. Along the way, my career slowed down, but it was all good. I wanted to do a good job at work, but it wasn't what I was living for. What I wanted more than anything else was to have influence and kingdom impact. I wanted to be a better example for my wife and my kids. Like I said, we started going to Life Group and we changed how we managed our finances. And that was a real cool thing for Gene and I. We were sending our oldest son to private school and after we decided to tithe, we were wondering how we were going to pay his tuition. That tuition was really what our tithe was gonna be. Well, out of the blue, a family member stepped up and began paying that tuition. I love it when God winks at us. I wanna share two big benefits of making an investment like Gene and I did. We waited till we were in our late 30s to become full court followers of Christ. First, it showed up in our marriage. There were some flat spots along the way and we had gone to marriage counseling, but our marriage did not really get right until we started doing ministry together. Here's how it looked in ministry. We were both here and as we started moving towards God and started doing ministry together, we started getting closer. The second big benefit I wanna share with you is some relationships that I have. I just got back from a weekend with three other men that have been in my life since that conversion of when I became a full court follower of Christ. They know everything there is to know about me. They are my deepest friends. They know my insecurities. They know where I failed. They know everything about me but they encourage me. They share things with me, they pray for me. Those relationships would never have happened if I wouldn't have committed myself and become a full court follower of Christ. So here we are, we just started coming to Christ Walk. I can't wait to see what God has for us this season. You know, as I've grown in this relationship with Christ, I began to realize there's two things that I need in my life. One is what do I need? What disciplines do I need to improve? And what studies do I need to do? But also, where do I need to give? Where do I need to serve? The one regret that I have is that I didn't start this journey sooner. Like I said, I waited till my late 30s. My name's Lee, and I'm living for something more. Wow. Those stories were incredible. I want to say thank you so much to Donnie and Lee and Terry for sharing so generously their testimony of what the Lord has done and is continuing to do in their lives. I hope that you will make it a point to connect with them over the coming weeks and let them know just how much their stories impacted you today. And so where does that leave you? Well, now it's your turn. We want to hear your story. We want to hear what God is doing in your life so that we can continue creating opportunities like this to celebrate how God is moving in the hearts and lives of his people and his church. And so very simply, you can share your story with us by visiting our website at thechristwalk.com forward slash story. There you'll find 
a resource to help you put your story together, as long as a place online where you can submit your testimony to us of what God is doing in your life. I would love to hear the story of how God is moving. Once again, that website is thechristwalk.com forward slash story. Remember, if you've got breath in your lungs, you have a testimony to share. So as we close out this message, I want to invite you to stand and prepare to sing as the band leads us in worship and we seal this word in our hearts. And as we do this morning, these altars are open. If you would like to receive prayer today for a need in your life, then you're invited to come forward and a member of our prayer team, some of our leadership is going to be right there to lay hands on you, to agree with you in prayer, to believe God to move in your heart and your life today. Perhaps you just need some courage to step out in faith and share your story with a friend or a family member or Maybe you need the reassurance this morning that you're loved by God and that you've been called according to his purpose. Whatever your need today, the Lord is here and he's ready to meet you in this place and to move on your heart and life here this morning. So as we stand and sing together, you're invited to come. Let's worship the Lord together. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.